I just want to dive right into the message this morning, and I've been, uh, this is a second message now on a series I started, Healing Your Heart, and this is something God is, I believe, has been at work at in your lives. He's been reaching out to you, encouraging you to watch your heart, to guard your heart, to look after your heart. And I'm not talking about your blood pump. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, on the inside of you, your, your, your soul, your emotions, your feelings, your mind, that you guard that and you, and you, and you watch that. And so I just want to dive right into the word and then, um, right into the message. So let's read out of John chapter five, verses one, through eight, and it's on the screen for for those of you uh, that uh, didn't bring your Bible. Uh, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five uh, covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And it says in verse 9, at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. Verse 3 says, did you notice, that there was a great number of people, a great number, multitudes of people who were blind, who were lame, who were paralyzed, hurting people. There's a great number of hurting people present at that time by the pool. And I thought to myself, as I mentioned last week, I thought, well, it is no different than what we're experiencing today. There are a great number of hurting people all around us, and you may very well be one of those people that are hurting, that were been waiting by the pool, so to say. Waiting for the waters to be stirred. Waiting for our miracle. Friends, that's what I want to talk to us about today, is about receiving that miracle that God has for us so that our hearts can be healed. So our hearts can be healed. Verse 5 uh, then goes on to speak about one of these people that were by the pool. This dude, it says he was paralyzed and had been that way for 38 years. It implies that he wasn't born with it. So something happened. He had a workplace accident. Something happened and he was paralyzed. And he was one of those people dealing with some heavy stuff, some real heavy stuff In life, have you ever been there (laughs) where there are some real heavy stuff 
going on in your life or going on around you in some people's lives that you hold dear and that you know maybe they're a neighbor, maybe they're a co-worker, maybe it's a family member, just some heavy stuff. And it seems like it's been going on forever. For this guy, it was 38 long years where he was dealing with the weight and the emotional pain of a physical injury. Did you know carrying around or, or dealing with a physical injury can weigh on you emotionally? You know that. Because uh, many of us have, have experienced that at some point in our life. Or we know somebody that has been dealing with that. And the emotional strain that occurs and how it even will zap our energies. Have you been there where, where you've, um, you're, you're dealing with an issue. You're dealing with something really heavy and it, it might be physical. Uh, and you find your emotional energy gets zapped real quick. Well, that's a sign that our heart needs healing somehow, some way. We need a healing. We need a, 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 a supernatural touch from Jesus to come alongside and help us deal with the weight of this struggle that we're dealing with. Maybe it's an emotional issue that you're dealing with. Um, you know, I, I know for me, I, I was really young and I don't remember hardly anything, but I was two years old when my parents divorced and emotionally that affects you. My wife was five years old when her parents went through a divorce. And that emotionally affects you. And you're, you carry around with you this weight that you don't even know, really, that you're carrying around with you. You don't know why your heart is heavy. You know, I, 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 you know, I pray for our teachers and, and our educators and our, our social workers and those people who are uh, continually dealing with the hearts of children because they carry around with them this weight, these hurts, these struggles of the pains of life, and often they don't even know it. I know when when I was struggling, my mom remarried and and when I was struggling in school, some of my uh, struggles came out in my attitudes and my actions and my responses to people. And my parents at the time didn't know what was going on. Uh, they didn't know it was a struggle. And, and sometimes the teachers don't even know because they're not in our home. They're not, they're not in our lives. Uh, after we leave school, they have they have no clue. They just saw me as this kid that always was disruptive and 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 causing problems and causing trouble. But what they didn't know, and I didn't even know it at the time, but my heart was hurting. How's your heart? I want to I want to ask you that sincerely. How's your heart? Uh, last week, I um, while, while ministering, there was somebody here who um, has been here on and off, on and off, on and off, and used to be a quite a regular attender. And it started during the worship where God just started pouring into her and speaking to her about her heart, and 
And that's why, you know, if I can just stop for a minute and turn to the worship team and said, you guys sometimes don't know the impact that your ministry makes upon the lives of people. It really does. And hey, I encourage all of us to, if you were impacted by the worship, uh, just, I don't know, say thank you. Thank you. You know, our kids are impacted in children's ministry. It's good to say to the uh, uh, team back there, thank you. Really appreciate it. Anyways, this person was really struggling. And just God was ministering during the worship. And then during the message, the message just started just, just hitting her. And couldn't stop crying and... I met with her this week and her heart was, has been really, really heavy, carrying burdens. And she's been carrying it by herself. And I said, who do you have that you talk to about these things? Well, I talked to, you know, this person and this person. I says, but do you really get deep? And she said, no, I don't talk to them about the issues that she started talking to me about. And I said, you need somebody. Our motto in the church is don't do life alone. You can't carry the weight of our struggles all by ourselves. We need one another. This story uh, helps us to recognize the truth of this, that you can't do this on your own. I mean, this dude had to be, it says, had to wait for somebody to come to carry him down to the pool. He couldn't do it on his own. He couldn't go to the pool on his own to try to receive what he thought he could receive at the pool. He couldn't. That is until Jesus came. And that's what I want you to see in this series, is that Jesus is here. And he really does care about your heart. He cares about the inside of you that is hurting. I had said last week that it's easy to recognize the hurts of people that, you know, their physical hurts of people. It's easy to recognize that. They may have a limp. They may be in a cast. They may be in a sling. Uh, they may have a scar that's recognizable. And you go, oh, wow, what happened to you? And then they talk about it, and all of a sudden they get a little bit of comfort from you. But what about the inner wounds, the inner hurts, the inner struggles that all of us deal with? Um, I said to this person I met with, I said, like, how come you're not letting people in to help you with this? There's lots of people that you know that I know that can help you, and it just... Well, you've been there. Sometimes it's easier not to say anything. We get to that place in our struggle with some of our emotional pains that it's just easier to just turn on Netflix. (laughs) It's easier to get just lost in the world of TV and work and the things that you do in life exercise, whatever it is you do. It's easier to get lost in that than it is to actually sit down with somebody and start talking about your inner 
pains and inner struggles. And my goal in this series is that you would be challenged to begin that process. That you're not going to do life alone anymore. You're not going to deal with life's hurts and life's struggles all by yourself. There's people around you. There's all kinds of people around you who can help you, can help you walk through this. That's why, again, going back to, you know, those who are, um, you know, their, their vocation is, is, is a teacher or social worker helping people, helping kids in particular. A heart goes out to them, or prayers go out to them, or gratefulness goes out to them. Uh, for what they have to deal with on, on an everyday basis and the struggles in people's lives and pray God's grace upon them that somehow, some way, God could communicate to them to just touch a life. Remember that movie uh, way back in the day, Freedom Writers, based on a true story of a, a teacher who went to this really rough school in L.A. and with these rough kids that were all just in, in a... I'm overusing that word, rough place. Well, the teacher went in and made a difference in their lives and helped turn their lives around because there was somebody who actually cared. Somebody who cared. And sometimes that's all that our neighbors need. That's all that our coworkers need. Um, that's all that the people sitting next to you need is knowing that somebody cares. And somebody's there. And there's an ear that will listen to what you have to say. And they won't judge you. And they won't criticize you. And they won't malign you. But they'll bring forth the healing anointing of Jesus. It says in Psalm, Jesus, or rather in Isaiah 61, 1, speaking of Jesus, it's a prophetic word about the coming Messiah. And it says this, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Isaiah prophetically spoke about the Messiah. Uh, And then Jesus, when he started his earthly ministry, stood up, opened this verse And read from it, proclaiming to all what the mandate of his ministry was, that he was sent to heal the broken hearted. Jesus came to heal the broken hearted. And if that's you, friends, there is hope found in Jesus Christ. Hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ. You don't have to wait for the waters to be stirred. You don't have to wait for somebody to carry you down to the pool, so to say. You can run to Jesus yourself and witness his healing, anointing, come and begin to turn your world around. Today I want to focus on one key area that I find um, is the cause of why many of us don't receive healing in our broken heart. 
It's the one key that will steal our joy, that will rob us of our destiny. It's, it's the one key that will keep us from truly fulfilling God's purpose and plan in our lives. And it severely hinders the Holy Spirit from moving in our lives. And friends, I, I don't know about you, but I can't afford to hinder the moving of the Spirit of God in my life because we need His help. We need His help to help us to even to do a simple thing like to love one another. We need His help to help us do that. We need His power to face every day. We need His power to help us face the obstacles that that come at us every single day. We need the Holy Spirit and we can't afford, friends, to have this thing rob us of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It actually says of Him, of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, 26, it says that He is our helper. Look at it. It says, but the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. I don't know about you, but I need all the help I can get. I need all the help I can get to pastor, to do what God's called me to do. You need all the help that that you can get to uh, whatever area of life you find yourself, whatever your vocation is, you need the help of the Holy Spirit to help you uh, uh, wade those waters in your life. Because you know, it's not easy. Life isn't always easy. It's not a bed of roses. Sometimes there are thorns. And uh, I don't know... I, I, we've all experienced it, I'm sure. Like we have two rose bushes in our house, and trimming those things, you got to be careful because I don't know, just a little thorn hurts. And like, oh, and my daughter this week, she was in town for a teacher's convention, and uh, she had a toothpick in her pocket. And I guess at some point the toothpick fell, and in, in, in the Airbnb they rented, and stuck in the carpet like upwards. And she was walking and stepped on it. Oh, and it went right into her heel. This little tiny piece of wood. Oh, it hurts. Sometimes it's the little things in life, right? That really hurt. It's the little, sometimes it's these things in life that really hurt our hearts. And we need to know that we have a helper that can help us through this. When our heart is broken, we have a helper. When our pain gets unbearable, we have a helper. When life throws us rotten pears, we need help. And the Holy Spirit is that agent of change. This, friends, is why we must not harbor, and here it is, unforgiveness in our lives. When we harbor unforgiveness, it greatly hinders the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And again, I don't know about you, life is too difficult for me to allow unforgiveness to hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I need His help to steer me in the right direction. Have you been there where your heart is hurting and maybe somebody says something and it's very innocent, 
Because they have no clue your heart is hurting. And next thing you know, wow, like you just want to take a bite out of them. But the Holy Spirit all of a sudden, the helper, says, no, 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 Scott, Scott, calm, calm, calm. Scott, calm. You've been there. Has that ever happened to you? Friends, that is something God wants to, wants you to experience on a regular basis as we're going forward in life, that the helper, the Holy Spirit comes alongside and aids us through some of life's struggles. Because again, life struggles aren't always easy. Unforgiveness will rob us of this much needed aid. And why is that? Well, his name really says it all. (laughs) He's holy. He's the Holy Spirit. And listen, holiness can't stay in the same room as unforgiveness. Holiness doesn't eat with, if you may, unforgiveness. The Holy Spirit wants us, wants to do in our lives this great work that helps us not cling to unforgiveness, but to cling to His presence in our lives. It says in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 and 28, look at this, it says, Love your enemies. Love your enemies. That's not easy. To do good to those who hate you. (laughs) That's not easy. To bless those who curse you. To pray for those who abuse you. It is impossible to do this without the Holy Spirit's help. It's impossible to do this if you're walking in unforgiveness toward the person. Am I right? It's impossible. This is why the Holy Spirit, He's holy. And it hinders His work in our lives. Because forgiveness is a journey, right? It's a journey. All of us have to walk that path because all of us have been hurt, have been broken, have been wounded on the inside. And all of us must make this journey through life uh, dealing with unforgiveness as it pops up. I think of the Apostle Peter. Think about the Apostle Peter's situation for a moment. He wounded the body of Christ. He really did. He really, really hurt the early church. How did he do that? Well, he denied being a member of the church, for one. He denied friendship with the disciples and the apostles. He even denied knowing Christ. And he even cursed this at the top of his lungs, that he had no affiliation with the church, with those people, or with Christ. And that, friends, wounded the church. It wounded the early church. It cut deep into the lives of these people. And if it had not been for Jesus, for Jesus' actions after his resurrection, because remember, after his resurrection, one of the things he did was he sought out Peter, and he said, Peter, in essence, he said, I forgive you. I forgive you. And that was modeled and witnessed by all the disciples. All the disciples saw Jesus do this because I'm sure the disciples at the, at the point when, when, when they learned that, that Peter had done all of this, they were like, okay, I don't know if I can trust this dude anymore. 
I, I don't know if I want him uh, in the same prayer room with, with me. I don't even know if I can go to the same church anymore that Peter went to. But then they witnessed Jesus do something. Jesus came and offered forgiveness, modeled to them what they should do, showed them the importance of forgiving one another. And as a result, check this out, as a result, they were to experience, they were, they were able to experience the greatest outpouring of God at the time, the day of Pentecost. Because here's the thing, I don't know if the Holy Ghost would have fell amongst bitterness and backbiting and unforgiveness. I don't know if he would have actually fell if, if healing had not occurred. If the disciples themselves and the apostles in the early church had not covered, this is so important, had not covered Peter's Sins covered Peter's faults. And what I mean by that is you don't hear any mention from that point on of what Peter had done to the church. You don't hear any other mention about it. Because they chose to cover Peter's sins. They chose to forgive him. And that forgiveness brought about a healing. Not only in the church, not only in the group, but in Peter's life life himself. Because I'm sure he was carrying around much guilt and much shame over his actions. He must have been. And it must have weighed him down. Have you been there where you've... Your heart has become so heavy because of something you've done and you knew it was wrong. And maybe the people around you weren't receiving your forgiveness. Friends, what the early church did sets us an example for what we must do no matter the pain, no matter the hurt. We must be people willing to forgive and then cover each other's sins by not talking about it anymore, not not phoning up, uh, you know, uh, uh, sister so and so and saying, yeah, can you pray for me because oh, Pastor Yvette really hurt me, and I know she meant she didn't mean it, but she really hurt me, and I'm I'm really concerned about her. Then you phone up somebody else and somebody else. That's not covering a sin, right? Covering a sin means. You don't talk about it. You don't talk about it. Maybe you have one person that you talk to, maybe your spouse, maybe a friend, maybe your counselor, uh, somebody saying, yeah, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm having a struggle with this, and, 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 you know, they help you walk through it, but it stops there, right? It stops there, and that's what the disciples did, and I don't know, and as I read his story, and as I started thinking about this, I thought, could the Holy Ghost have fallen on the day of Pentecost, in the midst of strife and division and hurt and pain and unforgiveness. And my thought was, no, could not. Could not. But I'm so grateful that the early church sets us an example of how we're to deal with hurt and pain. 
Because friends, we need the Holy Spirit. We can't do this alone. We need the Holy Spirit's power. We need the Holy Spirit's presence. We need the Holy Spirit's anointing to help us walk through life. And unforgiveness actually hinders that. It, it, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit will leave you. It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit will stop residing in you. It just means we hinder His ministry in our lives. It just means that, that we, it's like we're putting a cap on the resources that God has given us to live a successful life because of unforgiveness. We just put a cap on it. We, we, we are refusing to allow the fullness of what the Spirit of God wants to do in and through our lives, the power, the anointing, the presence of His presence. We're putting a cap on it and saying, nope, nope, I'm not going to let that be released in my life because of bitterness or unforgiveness or anger. I'm not going to allow that to happen. And we put a cap on it. The Spirit of God is still present. Spirit of, you're still the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're still a Christian. But we just put a cap on what the Spirit of God is able to do in our lives. And friends, we can't afford that. In 2020, we can't afford that. We can't afford to put a cap on what the Spirit of God wants to do in and through us. Because He wants to do some supernatural things in and through us. He, he wants to see us be people who are healthy, walking out into a hurting world, helping the hurting world. Not in our own power, not in our own strength, but in, through the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We need Him. We need Him. And look at Psalm 51. It says this in verse 10. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Our inner selves need to be cleansed. Yes, at salvation, a holy, deep inner cleansing took place, and it was powerful. Like thousands of PSI of Holy Ghost pressure cleansed us. But staying clean, friends, takes work. Because as you know, there's lots of opportunities for us to get dirty in life. Lots of opportunities to harbor unforgiveness. Lots of opportunities for us to harbor these things that hurt us, and a clean heart, that is what we want. A heart that stays clean after the dirt of life is slung at us. A heart that stays soft, even after truck loads of bitterness gets dumped on our front lawn. A clean heart. Make this your prayer, friends. Work hard to keep it clean. And it it takes a lot of work to keep our hearts clean. Maybe you need to like we did, hire a housekeeper. <laughs> Maybe you, you need to buy a carpet cleaner, a better mop, uh, you know, maybe some more effective, non-toxic cleaners. Become the Teflon man where nothing sticks to you any longer. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit 
within me. Maybe, just maybe, I want to ask the team, whoever come up. Maybe, just maybe, a wrong spirit has been lurking around your life. It says, create in me a right spirit, a renew a right spirit within me. Bitterness, anger, hurts, pains. Would you say these are all wrong spirits? I would say that. This is why our prayer needs to be, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew, renew, renew a right spirit within me. In other words, you're saying to God, God, write what's wrong with me. You're saying to God, write what's wrong with me. I don't want bitterness any longer. And here's the thing, and I said this last week, and I just feel it's important. Forgiveness doesn't mean you have to be buddy-buddy with the person who did you wrong. Forgiveness doesn't mean you even have to trust them any longer. Doesn't mean that. Forgiveness is a release in your heart to let the pain go. To let the hurt go. And you may never, and in in many cases actually, it's not wise to do it. To go to the person and say, hey listen, uh, I forgive you. Sometimes that's not even necessary. You just got to do it in your own heart. Release it in your own heart that I am no longer going to carry this unforgiveness around any longer. I give it up. Right? You get that? You get that? You with me? But I want to, before, here's what I want to do. I want to close by us uh, reading the entire song, Psalm 51. It's going to be on the screen for for us. Uh, but before I do that, I want to talk for a moment about verse 11. Because it's important that you catch what I'm going to say here. It says here in verse 11, Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Cast me not from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. See, David was writing this entire psalm out of a heart of brokenness. He had sinned uh, before God uh, by taking another man's wife. Long story, but in essence, he took another man's wife. And God confronted him over it. And this psalm speaks of his sincere repentance before God. Uh, verse 11 is spoken out of a remembrance of what his predis- what happened to his predecessor, Saul, King Saul. Saul, who through sin, lost the presence of God in his life. God cast him away from his presence and God took his spirit from Saul. We all know that story if you're familiar with that story. Story. So David, in fear of this occurring to him, said, God, I can't. No, don't do that to me. And in the Old Testament, this could occur, but not in the New Testament. You hear me? In the Old Testament, this happened. But not in the New Testament. That's why the Apostle Paul said, We have a better covenant established on better promises. Better promises. So I, I, I don't want you to think that, oh man, that, oh yeah, okay, I gotta make this my prayer. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. It's just, it was a reminder. David was reminded of what happened to Saul. And he said, I don't want that to happen to me. But we're not under the old covenant anymore. We're under the new covenant. Jesus made a better way for us. Established a better covenant for us. 
upon better promises. We don't have to fear that. So let's make this our, our solemn prayer. And You know, let's stand. You know, I think in, in at school, well, I, I don't know if we do it in school anymore. Do you sing the national anthem in school anymore? Yes. You do? Yes. Do you stand? Yes. Okay. At hockey games we do, sporting events we do, other functions we do, we stand to honor the anthem. Why not stand to honor the word? And let's just say this together. Uh, we'll start at verse 1 and go right through and make it a prayer. Make it a heart's cry. That this is what you're asking of God. And let's start. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. verse 13 unfold as a result it says then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you because people will see in us a people who have a clean heart doesn't mean we're perfect just means we're on a journey doesn't mean we will never get things wrong again we will we're on a journey of healing, of allowing the Lord, of allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work in our lives. 
allowing the Holy Spirit to be present in us, to cleanse us, to heal us, and to minister through us in an effective way. So, in the name of Jesus, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, after all of this, after everything you've heard, I want to give you an opportunity to ask Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, if you say, yeah, I'm not sure, Pastor, uh, about the afterlife. I'm not sure what's going to happen to me. I'm not sure if God will even accept me. I want you to know that God will accept you. He loves you. He loves all of his children, no matter what we've done. And there is salvation. That's the word. There is salvation in Christ. There is help in Christ. There is hope in Christ. So if that's you this morning and you want to ask Jesus into your life, just quickly raise your hand. I want to acknowledge you and I want to pray with you. I want to lead you in a prayer. Thank you. See that hand. God is good. God is good. Anybody else? Well, let's pray this prayer then. And we like doing it all together. You go, yeah, but why do I have to do it? I'm already saved. We do it for the person next to us. <laughs> we, we do it for the person who might be shy and, oh man, I, you know, I don't know. I don't want to be all alone in doing this. We do it for the person next to us. So just pray this prayer. Say, God, I come to you this morning. In Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I ask Jesus to come into my life. To be my Lord and Savior. I want to live for you. Help me to walk out this thing called life. In your strength. And in your power. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. If that's you, we have some material at the info center out in the foyer for you that we want to uh, give into your hand. Maybe you're here this morning and you need prayer. Uh, as people leave, we have coffee and snacks out in the foyer. Come to the front and receive what it is God wants to do in your life. God bless you. We love you. Thanks for coming. Amen.